expand and renovate their storefront in San Pablo and serve more community youth and families with their award-winning cultural programming. Please help Los Sinsultles inspire new voices and cultures as the organization enters into its third decade of service by purchasing tickets today. For event information, please visit jacksonbrown.com. For more information about Los Sinsultles, visit www.lossinsultles.com or by calling 510-233-8015. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Up next, cover to cover. Good afternoon and welcome to Cover to Cover. I am your host for the next half hour, Javelin Richards. And before I get started, I want to give you the call-in number for if there's anything interesting that you hear today or from one of my guests that you have an opportunity to be my co-host and join in. So the number that you would call is 510-848-4425. 800 if you're outside the 510 area code, 958 so who are my guests today? I have three guests, and so we'll have just a short music break since we will be talking to three different wonderful people. My first guest, Stephanie Ann Johnson, will talk about her new theater work. And then also I'll have Ernie Fields, who was in TV broadcasting for uh, at least two and a half decades and is now translating his life into film, and he'll talk about that process. And then Nicholas Cabrera from La Pena, and he's going to talk about and share together actually with Ernie after Ernie shares his story about art in the community and how we might be dropping the ball on some level uh, in terms of showing up, not just at La Pena, but other places that we have been sort of looking at social media, TV, and how can we turn it around since we are uh, people in theater, music, life, our lives are so vibrant. So those, that's a snapshot of what we'll be looking at in a few minutes or listening to in a few minutes. But first of all, I'd like to welcome Stephanie Ann Johnson and her play, which will uh, be here in Berkeley on Sunday, October 13th at 4 p.m. at uh, Nicaragua Yoga Studio, 1808 University Avenue in Berkeley. The name of the play is 21 Days in Yoga and Me. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Javelin. It's a pleasure to be here today. It's a pleasure uh, to have you here today, and particularly a pleasure uh, to talk about not just your work, but this is not you just writing about an experience, these uh, performance deals with uh, cancer, the subject of cancer. Yes. And the subject of cancer in your life. Absolutely. It's a uh, a real-time play. I just finished my final chemo therapy five weeks ago so I wrote the play while I was in the middle of chemotherapy after surgery right after surgery when uh, you and I talked in our pre-interview one of the reasons why I said I would love to have a call-in show as well is because I know that even as we speak there may be people who are getting that um, information that they have cancer or someone they know with cancer I know this is a conversations particularly ongoing in this area but I want to be to open opportunity for anyone who wants to uh, ask a question give support or tell their mm-hmm. story as well mm-hmm. so you decided in the middle of chemo to write about it 
I did. I was in the process of writing another play about uh, my experience of being a teenager in uh, New Jersey and making friends with a Holocaust survivor. And I was in the middle of writing that play, and I was bound and determined to write that play. And all of a sudden, this play just showed up and said, write me now. So I began writing it. It took about three or four days, but I was writing furiously, almost as though I was channeling my experience while it was happening. What are some of the first things the play spoke to you about in regards to your experience? Well, I'm hoping that this play, you know, uh, every 21 days, Cancer Yoga and Me, will really inspire people um, to, because cancer has touched so many people's lives. I mean, I, until I had to deal with cancer, I had no idea how pervasive it was. People's mothers, brothers, twins, uncles, uh, even children are affected by this. So I've made my play be both humorous and poignant. Um, because I had a, two cousins and my best friend, all of whom died of cancer in the same year, 2010, which was the same year that my mother died. What are some of the things that you cover in 21 Days, Yoga and Me? Well, I begin the play by talking about white yoga and the appropriation of yoga by the Western culture um, in terms of the expense of it, the props, the outfits. And then there's a transformation as the play goes on. I talk about the Niroga Yoga Studio and their mission to serve the community and how all yoga that's in the United States is not necessarily appropriative yoga, but it can be a service to people. And so there's that transformation as the play goes on and as I grow in my understanding. So are you looking at yoga as a way to be a part of your healing process, your centering process? Is that how that came about? Or were you practicing yoga before you were diagnosed with cancer? I practiced yoga from time to time, but um, the doctors and the practitioners over at Kaiser Hospital suggested that yoga would be a good way to keep your strength up, keep your balance up while you're having all this toxic material infused into your body. And they, sure enough, were right. And so I've kept up my yoga practice since uh, last May or so, and it has been incredible. And also becoming part of that community, going on the website, just trying to inspire people to make their well-being much better, make their bodies stronger, minds, spirits, everything in unity. As they go through that journey. As they go through that journey, and even if they're not going through that journey. Right. This mm -hmm. is a way of life. It is a way of life. It and yet at the life. same time, what I'm hearing from you is that you took that first experience and you turned it into humor because you saw there was a difference in the yoga practice. Yes, I, I make I make fun of it in the beginning, and I talk about all kinds of yoga, and I mention family yoga and manly yoga and yoga without yoga, and um, just to um, bring some humor. And this is in the play? This is in the play. This is the opening of the play. Can you I read an excerpt about of that? that? So we get a sense of that? Sure. Okay, so this is Stephanie about to read that, and again, if you uh, have a, your own thought about that, in terms of healing, what practices anyone has been affected by cancer, what has your practice been, or... Okay, great. Before you read, we have Valerie from New Jersey that would like to say something to maybe you from New Jersey. Hi, Valerie, you're on the air. 
Hi, uh, I actually have a question and then a request. My question is, what has the response been at the staged readings? I know they've been at the play. And my request is, when is it coming east to New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Valerie. We try to cover both those questions. All right. The response was, um, we had a standing room only audience. There were over 50 people that showed up between the yoga community and my friends. And people laughed and cried throughout the whole play. One of the surgeons that performed on the uh, full hysterectomy on me showed up with her mother and her sister and the secretary for the surgeon. And people were just crying their way through it and then laughing in between. And I'll get to New Jersey as quickly as I can. All right, so let's hear an excerpt uh, of the play. And remember, if you have a call, please do call in because we have about, uh, after the reading, we have about another minute with Stephanie Johnson because we have two other guests that would like to share their life with you. Here we go. I'm talking about white yoga, the appropriation of thousands of years of a practice, the outfits, the props, the expense, yoga journal, yoga plus, yoga for singles, Vegan yoga, yoga for couples, manly yoga, family yoga, yoga without yoga. What? <laughs> I swear you can't swing a live, dead, or suspended yogi or yogini in Berkeley, California without him or her ending up in one of the hundreds of yoga places here. <laughs> um, I wrote a new excerpt and I wanted to share it. This is the first time I've uh, read it. And I'll read it because I know our time is running shortly. After chemo six, when I looked into the mirror, I saw a different face. Beyond the oddity of no eyebrows or eyelashes, I saw the face of my mother. My eyes had a deep weariness and sadness I had never seen before. It was the kind of gaze I remember seeing in my mother's eyes, especially in winter and always on a Sunday when she played her Mahalia Jackson records and she would think of her mother, father, sisters and brothers, all long gone. Yes, it was exactly the same pained, pensive and nostalgic look. Though I will never forget that look, I also know that I don't need to wear it in order to honor her memory. Mama knows, she would say as she rocked me and soothed my tears. Mama knows. That was Stephanie Ann Johnson reading from her work, Every 21 Days, Yoga and Me, which will be Sunday, October 13th, 4 p.m. at the Naroga Yoga Studio, 1808 University Avenue in Berkeley. We're going to take a short music break. Up next, Ernie Fields.
Welcome back to Cover to Cover. I'm your host, Javelin Richards. You were just listening to Stephanie Ann Johnson. And again, if you have any questions, Stephanie's still in the studio, uh, but you have questions from other guests, the number is 510-848-4425. And now I am here with Ernie Fields in the studio, and he has been in broadcast for over 20 years and is now making a transition in his life into independent filmmaking. So welcome, Mr. Fields. Mm, thank you. Thank you for being here. Give us a snapshot of what you have been doing, what you did in TV over the years. Well, um, my career in television spans about 40 years, actually. Um, engineering. Engineering. Engineering technical. is what I, technical, the technical aspect of it. But along with that comes some uh, opportunities for creativity. And... Um, either in camera work or in timing or uh, and and artistically but it's so different from film from film which is where you're headed now that's right so tell me like one of the things that uh, you experienced that was different what's one of the differences in working in TV which is real time if I'm correct it is well it depends okay. it depends in production yes. it's not real time it's contrived you may spend two hours to make a 30-second spot. So, but in real time, yes, news. I did a lot of news. So it is real time. Or on air. I was just talking with our our Nico? associate guest, Nico. Hello, Nico. Hey, Bernie. <laughs> so in terms of your film making that transition, why did you choose to go into independent film? Well, because it speaks to my uh, original interest in visual. I'm, my first interest is in, in the visual. Uh, I might have shared with you my association with light. Yes. And uh, my first uh, passion was photography, still photography. So it's a combination of photography and the technical aspect, the moving image. Um, I happen to be in photography very interested in, in composition, and the thing about movie making is composition. You always, you're, you're continually composing your image. So as your subject's moving through the frame, you're always composing it. And that's a challenge. So tell me what that means. You're compo- so here's a, so in my head, what I see right now, there's a camera, there is a person, and that person is doing an action. Let's just say they're reaching for a cup on the table. Uh, how are you composing that? What's happening? You mean as a filmmaker in yes, film? Yes, filmmaker. How do you? What do you do? Well, you have your shot. You set it, and you you follow. It's a, it's a little difficult to uh, explain. Let me start in the in the television part of it. Okay. Television wise, you using multiple cameras, and so uh, you can cut to various shots to um, to create the um, the image to 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 show the action. In uh, in film, I'm learning. I'm I have to remind you i'm new in the film part of it you set the shot you figure out uh what shot you want how you want to 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 show the action then you come back and you do b-roll and this and that and the other so you put it together in pieces oh okay like as opposed to television in in pieces as opposed to television where in real time 
there's a, usually a director uh, will ha- call the shots. Camera one, I want a tight shot of the hands, the action. And then camera two, cover shot. Camera three, I want you a, res- uh, um, a responding shot. So one of the things that I was interested in in uh, sharing your story out loud is that you were in the in the uh, media industry in terms of television for forty years, yes. And then I really interested in the listening audience to know that to do something for a period of time in our life and how do we transform that into something new or different and continue the passion and joy? Uh, how? has been an experience for you to make that transition as you said it's new to you it and yet is. you're learning all over again well here's the good news for me i can bring some of um the experience in broadcasting and i think that it makes it a little easier for me to understand um some of the the things about film i had never considered um still photography is different from film and that's my basis for of interest in media and that starts from childhood but uh my my technical background uh helps me to understand understand. to understand so the i think for me in this case i'm blessed to know that the learning curve is likely to be shorter and uh also uh the one of the things that you're blessed in too is that your very first independent film ended up in the international uh, the Black Theatre Festival in North Carolina in late July. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. <laughs> yes, and I had a chance to see that as well. You did a voiceover, and you also did some of the camera camera positioning in the film. Mm-hmm. And the theme of the film was, what was that? The th- uh, what is it like to be human? What's it like to be human? What it, does, how did you explore that? What's it like to be in the film? What's it like to be human? Well, um, I have a, it wasn't slavery. Well, it, things, yes, current yeah, things. yeah. Well, it had to do with with slavery and um, and transitioning. It had to do with the story of a woman transitioning from slavery and and the bondage of slavery, being uh, a freed woman, but not only is she challenged with freedom, the challenges of being free, but also the challenges of keeping the last of her six children as her own child, and to learn love. Mm. To learn love. To learn love, how to love and share love with this child she's never had. This baby is the last of six. This is sweet baby, and I I, I always think of it as sweet, 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 sweet. <laughs> Sweet baby. baby. The last one being the sweet baby that she's able to keep. Every one of her children before that, she called sweet baby. Because in slavery, she knew she was not going to be able to keep that child. So this story, uh, What's It Like to Be Yum, is being answering that question. A woman who's given birth to six children, five of them not able to keep in slavery, the final child born. And what is that relationship of love that you're saying? How do you love that last and that sweet baby? And this is the film that went off into the, the festival. The festival. I understand that it played to a full house. That it played to a full. Well, congratulations on you. Well, it wasn't a single effort. I had great help from other people, my partner. And uh, 
we just really had a great time doing it. A team. Well, it, it was a team. And uh, he, right. This, so it's, speaking about film and art in one of his nickel. So you're listening to what's happening in the field of art. You're from La Pena Cultural Center. What's going on in the world of art? And what's going on with La Pena? And what do you see happening? First, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Ernie, that's a very interesting movie. <laughs> oh, oh you, you must see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe, yeah. maybe uh, Lapino have you uh, show it over at Lapino Cultural Center. Because I know that you Lapino has films there, right? We do present uh, once in a while of films, yeah. Uh, and we have one series coming up uh, this uh, weekend. So, the f uh, part of the La San Francisco Latino Film Festival. So. I'd like our listeners to know that you and I uh, first met Nicole maybe a month or so ago, and I was very intrigued with his positioning and passion around um, art in general. And uh, like, and I immediately knew that I wanted to share that. So the day's show really is about one theater with Stephanie, too, uh, listening to Ernie talk about transitioning from TV into his own joy and including that photography as well as independent film. And then Nico sharing with the listening audience, what, where is he at in terms of, of film? Right? I mean, not just film, but art in the world right now and, and our community of people globally. Yeah, we're seeing a, an interesting uh, effect by social media and how that social media component is affecting the way that we experience art, the way that we view art, the way we attend art. Uh, it's uh, an interesting um, component uh, that for some aspects it sticks the individual part, the human uh, of the observer behind the screen or behind the, uh, either a computer screen or a smartphone screen but at the same time it really affects uh, individuals that are creating art like theater or creating art like um, visual arts uh, that are not per se directly related uh, to social media you can get them you can have access to theater through um, YouTube or any other aspect uh, that of social media but it's not the same thing as experiencing a concert live than listening into the best recording possible you still don't have uh, that capacity of uh, viewing the motion of the violinist uh, or the uh, piano player and how that is uh, impacting your way the way you the individual is sensing that art um, it's an, a different level, yeah. It's a different level. So, okay, so a snapshot in a live performance, you have a chance to see the emotions of the violinist. Is something about that real time that is I'm hearing that inform? Yes, um, it's the way I see it. Imagine you're reading an email, right? Okay. An email you you cannot get the 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 sense of. Uh, the motion, right? If you see a video through the computer screen, you can read the faces, you can read the body, uh, the body motions, you can read the body language. But if you feel it live, present, you get the the vibrancy of the strings. You get the vibrancy of uh, the air that is passing through the horns or the the beat of the drum. That vibrancy that is physical vibrancy, but also it's uh, emotional vibrancy, right? So that is. You cannot get that uh, through a computer screen. Or How do you think that this will impact 
our humanity if we don't have that emotional relationship with uh, theater, music, performance? How will it impact us as an earnest film? What's it like to be human? How does this impact our humanity if we rely on YouTube or social media? What do you, what do you, your, your instincts tell you will happen to us as people? Well, uh, it's. It's not, a good or bad, uh, it's not a good or bad situation. It's it's a like life is full of uh, good and bad things. Um, one one thing that I have recognized is uh, being able to see the work of a graffiti artist in London, for example. That moves me just by seeing it uh, in the TV screen or the computer screen. But imagine how would I feel by seeing it live like that? I I I, I have no words for when I get to see uh, that happening, right? Um, but just that you're explaining it, mm-hmm. I'm watching your body, mm-hmm. and even when you said what when you're asking the question, he's asking this question aloud. What would happen if he if he could see it out uh, 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 in real time, and his body started to lift, and his arms moved outwards, and that is an indication, and just the the thought, the thought of seeing it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and there's so many things that, like, for example. I the first time I saw a cajón peruano was in, at the stage of La Peña, right? And what the cajón peruano is a, is a wooden box that uh, it's a very it was able to produce a lot of tones uh, from that box, and people sit on it and uh, just uh, uh, play on it, and, uh, sitting right on it. It's a type of drum, excuse me. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a type of drum. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it, yeah, it's a, it's a type of uh, percussion instrument, yeah, right. uh, drum, and the. The first time I saw it, it has a very special sound because each musician adds uh, strings inside of it, or uh, yeah. it's, uh, adds a, a bolt of some sort. It works similar to a snare drum, is that right? More or less, yes. It has the same strings underneath. Oh, uh, yeah, and they can tune it? Mm, there's a little tuning because it's, uh, the, the tuning depends on how big it is and how the wood is uh, fat, uh, mm-hmm. put together, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how... And I'm not an expert on this. So, but, we, but here's what you are an expert on. You're an expert on what happened to you. What happened to you the first time you were able to experience that? The cajon. The cajon. It was. It was amazing. It was. It was one of those things that I my jaw dropped to the floor and was like, "Wow, I, I am missing so much in my life by not going to art, by not viewing art live, by not being there where art is produced." Now that I want food for thought. Everyone to hold on to that moment to just say it to yourself as the I in yourself. I am how much I'm missing out on in my life by not seeing it alive. What's happening in La Pena that you would invite someone to that for those that are saying, you know what, I'm going to get up off my goofa and I'm going to turn off my YouTube <laughs> and I'm going to go out and do it. What would you invite them to? Mm. Well, interesting. Right now we ha- we're coming up with um, today, actually, it's a Venezuelan music, uh, uh, Venezuela Sings to Latin America is the name of the title, and there's um, an interesting trio or three groups of uh, or three musicians, I should say, that are going to be playing um, at La Peña. Uh, Jackie Raro is one of them, uh, and Norma, the two brothers, Jimmy and Norma Kamanu. Uh, I'm skipping on their last name. I always forget last names. Uh, I'm sorry for that, but it's tonight, uh, and it's um, it's. It plays to be a, an amazing show. Um, 
Another series that we have is uh, on is the film. It's a film project uh, that comes with a book, or I should say, it's, it's a book first, and then a series of pictures that was taken from a flamenco artist that happened uh, to live uh, back in the 60s, uh, late 70s, uh, in Spain. Uh, so a group of photographers, um, one of them is uh, Stephen Kahn, who organized this project, uh, is being pre is presented, uh, giving a talk, a roundtable about how his experience was uh, creating this book. So now we have music, we have a roundtable discussion, we have film, and we have where what happens live happens in your heart. I want to thank Stephanie Ann Johnson, Ernie Fields, Nicole Cabrera for being my guest today on Cover to Cover Open Book. I will see you not next month, I'll be away, but the following month in November. I'll see you the third week. Thank you for listening. Thank my guests. Thank you. friends, this is Erica Bridgman inviting you to join me and the delightful Haitian-American author Edwidge Dondekat when she presents her luminous, spellbinding new novel, Claire of the Sea Light. Experience a different Haiti as Dondekat takes us deep into the mingled lives of a Haitian fishing village. She will be in Berkeley on October 16th, a Wednesday, at 7.30 in the evening at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way at Durant. There is wheelchair access. You can get advanced tickets for this KPFA benefit for $12 at brownpapertickets.com or at one of our supporting bookstores. For their names and full information, please go online to kpfa.org backslash events. And do check out Edwidge 